another Tile Money Podcast. My name is Luke Miller, your host. And today I had a great discussion with my old friend, Kato. I'm almost certain he was the very first person to call me after I launched this podcast and to tell me, hey, buddy, you're on to something big here. Keep going. And so four years in, later, over 200 episodes, we finally got Kato on the show. And it does not disappoint. This is one that you want to listen to twice, three times. It's packed full of information. He's got 35 years in business. He's uh, he's selling his business. He has multiple facets of his business. He drops gems after gem after gem. He is now investing in musicians for his retirement. He's about to sell his business. If you want to know how he got there, definitely have a listen or a watch to this episode. Enjoy this and, and take yourself some notes. Tile Money Podcast is brought to you by the Tile Money University, where we discuss business ideas every single week inside our accountability mastermind groups. All right, Tile friends, enjoy this episode with Cato Young. I'll never forget the first time, um, I think you were the first person in the tile industry to call me on the phone after I launched the podcast. Well, really? The, yeah. the first person? Well, I, I mean, I'll say the first, within the first six, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, memory's hazy, you know, it's been four yeah. years, but um, I, I don't forget, I was driving my truck, you know, and, and you called and I answered and, and you explained, you know, you had been watching the podcast and Facebook group and you encouraged me to keep going. So thank you. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I've always been a firm believer in, um, you know, educating the, the people that need educating, you know. Um, I learned a lot of stuff the hard way. And um, if I can help somebody learn without going through the school of hard knocks end of it, um, I try to share that knowledge. So, nice. um, well, I'm excited. So, I'm excited to dig into it. And one of the one of the cool things is, like I said, I mean, four years ago, I said, let's get you on the podcast, you know, and, and we've been pushing it off, pushing it off. Yeah. And, and the, the thing that kind of spurred it is you're you're selling your your business and, and retiring, right? You're retiring. Yep. And and so I thought, you know what? What? How cool. So tell us a little bit about the business you're selling, first of all, the name, everything. And then let's rewind and then kind of work our way um, forward. Back to it. Sure, sure. Well, so we just listed it um, about uh, two months ago. And um, I've got two people that came from the broker that we listed it with. And a third who was a contractor that we had done a lot of work for that went out on um, on a completely different tangent. No contracting work, no more building. Or he's uh, he's got a H two O H two no franchise. So um, you know, after plus thirty years and thirty four years or so doing this, it's it's time. You know, yeah. um, the name of our overall parent company is uh, Columbus Design Center. And we run Alliance Kitchen and Bath and Tile Specialties under that umbrella. And the, the tile business is what has been our mainstay. And the, the cabinet business, we do, um, we sell a custom line of cabinets from a, a manufacturer that's like 20 minutes away from us. And I sell a, uh, you know, a RTA line of ready to assemble um, cabinets from a, a place up in Virginia. So we're in Western North Carolina, uh, just south of Asheville, close to the South Carolina border. And, um, you know, we've, we've had a good run. 
And it's definitely, it, it's time to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the joke is always, you know, business would be great if it wasn't for the employees or the customers. Right. But, right. Uh, <laughs> that's not a hundred percent true. I've got great employees. I've got some, I've, I've got one guy that's been with me for 23 years. So, um, he's, uh, you know, doesn't really want to take this on, mm. but he's going to kind of stay in the tile trade a little bit. If he plays his cards right, I think that uh, I can get him a job as a manager with one of the buyers. Sure. So yeah. we'll see what happens. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I know people sold businesses before and, you know, it always works best if you can keep the employees that know the know the routine, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So um, we'll just see and yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, well, it sounds it, it sounds like a very valuable business for someone. I'm I'm sounds like you'll have no problem selling it. Congratulations! I mean, that's that's the goal, right? Is to work hard and then enjoy the fruits of our labor. You know, exactly. Yeah. So, and you know, the last I would say probably the last ten years or so, I have not been working as hard. Sure. Um, you know, you sure. get you get people, you train them, you trust them, they do the work, they do it right. And, um, you know, we, we have worked together as a team from the very beginning. And that is, I think, our overall key to success. Not looking at, you know, not looking at what you can get out of somebody, but what you can accomplish together is why we did what we did and why we are where we are today, you know. I like that. So. What, what you Focus on what you can accomplish together. I like that a lot. Well, listen, uh, why don't we rewind now back, did you say 34, 35 years? I guess that would be what, 80, yeah. 85, 86, 87? Yeah, yeah. Somewhere like so, that. So um, I got out of the Air Force in 1980, and um, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I've always been good to my hands. I started a, a contracting business on Long Island and did that for, you know, for a few years, but New York weather kind of precludes a lot of a, a lot of work um, over the winter. If you don't have indoor stuff to do, you're not going to do anything. Mm. So I had a couple of guys that did tile for me and I said, Hey, you know, I could probably do that. Let me learn it. Mm. So I did. And I really enjoyed it. And I liked that a whole lot more than everything else that I was doing. So I put my heart into that and just, started doing smaller jobs by myself. Um, later on, my wife would join me. She was my, um, she was my sponge monkey. <laughs> you know, she'd be wringing sponges and yeah. she'd be making cuts, you know, um, and um, it slowly but surely built it into a, um, a slightly bigger business. You know, um, it took some time and, you know, there were days I took some commercial jobs. I'd be working until 11 o'clock at night so that we could get, you know, keep things on schedules. You know, my wife would bring the kids to the job site sometimes and they'd be like, mommy, who is that man? Why don't you bring me dinner? You know, right. <laughs> so, um, so we, we left New York, um, in 94 and moved here to North Carolina. Okay. Um, the, where we lived on Long Island, there was, um, we had, uh, well, first off, my oldest son was playing t-ball and his coach was a New York City cop. 
And he was okay. talking about, you know, the, the problems in the schools there already. In the middle school, they got, they're got finding kids with knives and guns and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, and we were close to the city. Mm-hmm. So, we you know, we got to kind of get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, we look for a place that had four seasons. I don't want to move to Florida where it's hot all the time. I like some cold weather. Sure, sure. You know, um, although here we our winter is a, a good solid two weeks, and sometimes it gets <laughs> below 30 degrees. So yeah. it's not that bad. No, you know? yeah, it's um, the winter I like. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we came down here and started over. And, you know, my wife, Debbie, you know, supported everything we did, sometimes with fear and trepidation, but she supported it. Mm. Um, and I started over as, a again, a one-man show, um, working for builders, trying to build a little bit of a name for myself here and um, concentrating on quality, not churning out a bunch of stuff, but churning out less stuff, but, you know, doing it well. Yeah. That was, you know, that's always our goal. So um, that uh, it took a couple of years to really get built up. And then slowly but surely, one person after another, um, I, had, I had one young man who was working for a builder that I worked for, and he kind of was, you know, was always watching what I was doing when I was on a job. And he's like, man, he said, it's really cool. I'd like to learn how to do that. So I'm like, but you're working for Jay. I hate to steal you from him. He goes, I was going to quit anyway. So I actually talked to Jay, yeah. and he says, well, you know, if, if this guy's going to leave, he says, I'd be happy if he comes and works for you better right. than him going out and going away. Well, there's a good so, attitude. Yeah. Um, I took him on and he worked for me for about six years. And then um, he got good enough and he wanted to be out on his own. And he went out and he started his own little business. And in the meantime, he trained a couple of other guys. And we had gone from from, you know, being a one man show with my wife coming and helping me on job sites to having six two man teams of installers. Okay. And then, so it, you know, I mean, that took some years, sure. but we did it, you know? Yeah. Um, you build loyalty with your employees by looking what they want from you, not always what you want from them. Right. Yeah. And we set goals. I set strategic goals. And if um, we reached those goals, we would do certain things. And we went from, you know, the guys driving their own cars or trucks to the jobs. The first goal was if we hit this mark, I can't remember what the dollar amount was, but if we hit this mark in a six month period, I'm going to buy a work van. And that was for the first crew. And then we, the next goal was to get another van. So then we slowly built up that. Um, we worked towards, um, before the work vans, we, um, vacation, holidays, sick days, health insurance. We built on everything that we did nice. and worked that way together. So employees um, are such, this is solid gold you're sharing here, Cato. And I appreciate it. Employees are so critical to the life of a business for oh, a yeah. business owner who wants to sell their business or build it to, you know, achieve larger dreams and goals. It sounds like you did the exact thing that you're supposed to. I mean, and, and it's, it's something that so many of us fail to do just because it's not the norm. It's not the norm in our industry for contractors that I've seen to provide work vans for, for a two to four man team or whatever. Yeah. You know? and, and, and that's something cool. I mean, were you kind of striving for excellence or was it the norm in the years you were doing it in the location? Well, no, I was striving for excellence. I wanted, you know, I mean, I wanted stuff to be done, um, you know, I'm, I'm real OCD and real anal about stuff. And um, you're a tile guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, exactly. Um, but when I 
when I send guys out on the jobs, it, this is kind of like a stumbling block that you have to overcome when you start with employees. When you put people out there and you have a reputation for being the guy that does this work, you know, I've had people say, oh, I expected Connor to come here and do this job. Who are these guys? I said, well, these guys work for me. Um, I'm ultimately responsible. I have trained them and they work to the same standard that I do. But it took a couple of years for people to get over the fact that, you know, when they hear that it's tile specialties, they think that I'm going to be doing the job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of an odd analogy, but I said, you know, if you buy a Chrysler, you don't think Lee Iacocca is out there building it. Do you? Right, right. You know, it's, you know, you got to have a team. you got to have people doing that work. So, you know, oh. with, with that in mind, it, it, you just have to stay and uh, stay focused on making sure that your people uphold the same standards that you've established. Mm-hmm. This is this is another good point because so many installers are are afraid of that very thing. A that nobody can do it as good as they can, which just is a false, you know, that's a false equivalent. Yeah. And then B that their clients are not going to want them because they believe their clients are hiring for that them for them, which is true in a sense. But it's because of their reputation, and, and their reputation can be extended to their employees. Now, over the years, did did that did that kind of uncomfortableness lessen? In other words, were people just now used to you having employees? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, it takes a little while, and you have to stay on it. You can't just you, you know you can't just give up and say, oh well, this is never going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't, if you got to have that stick to itiveness, you know, right? And if if you don't, then you're going to be a one man show for your whole career, mm-hmm. and that's just you know that's not the best way to go. Right? You know, after a while, everybody's knees give out, and you know you just. <laughs> don't want to carry 65 pound boxes up to up two flights of stairs, you know? Right. So um, I think another difference that uh, we have uh, put into play was uh, paying the guys hourly mm-hmm. and instead of paying them by the piece. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I charge by the square foot. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't do job pricing. Everything is done by the square foot. But we've reached our square foot pricing by um, having job site analysis sheets. We should, we have a job site sheet that everybody filled out. We don't do them anymore because we're, um, we're running like a well-oiled machine now. But for about four years, and that's, it's literally four years worth of data, mm-hmm. we compiled hours and compared um, square footage of installation to the type of material that it was. And then we created a whole spreadsheet. I think I shared that spreadsheet with you a couple of years ago. Yeah. We do it on Google Sheets. Right, um, right. So we've got this whole spreadsheet that we enter the square footage. We enter that we have like a drop-down menu of five different size from mosaics to, to panels. Um, and then we go from stone to to porcelains and everything has a, a price assigned to it. So when we do estimates, we plug all this stuff in and it generates a number. Now, if the job is more complicated, that number can be adjusted, but that's a really good starting point. Mm-hmm. And then with those numbers in mind and how long it takes to do stuff, I know how many hours something should take and I want to pay the guys in a way that they're comfortable happy, not looking for another job, not looking to go into business and be my competitor next year and, you know, 
keep focused on doing good work. And to keep them focused on doing good work, you have to take that incentive for rushing through something to get it done faster mm. by paying them by the hour. Mm. So it, yeah, everybody tells me, oh, well, you know, these guys are dragging their feet or something, you know, because there's no incentive to get done. They, they get paid no matter what. But the people that I have don't do that because mm. we have worked together and shared in the fruits of being successful. Mm. So their focus is on a good job. And I don't ever care if the job takes an extra half a day or an extra day. My concern is that the job is done well and we don't have to go back because anytime you have a call back, it, it costs way more than, you know, than a few hours to do it better than in the first place. So that's yeah. our big thing. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, Kato. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me, you know. And uh, so you've had good employee retention. Yeah. 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 And that's by providing a good workplace, you know. Um, we start we start every morning at 7 o'clock. I've got a warehouse, and that's where the, where the vans park, and the guys check in every morning. So, um we have a, um, a, a one-way travel pay, mm-hmm. um, so they get paid. If the job's an hour away, we start at 7, they get there at 8, they're getting paid from 7 o'clock, mm-hmm. right? The, the ride home is on their time, okay. right? but I'm paying for the gas in both directions, and I'm providing a vehicle. Sure. So that's part of our give and take. Sure. You know, um, Before that, they would drive their own vehicles, and heck, at the beginning, they were getting paid when right. they got on the job. Right. And... You know, and that was it, which yeah. is pretty much the norm in construction. Sure. So when you give, they give, mm. you know, that's, that's the thing in a nutshell, really. So I like that. I like that. When you give, they give. It's now, kind of funny. Now I, I want to <laughs> ask you about, um, I want to ask you about when you opened up your second and then your third kind of business. I mean, I know they're all structured. It sounds like under one corporation, right? Yeah, but you have kind of three different businesses now. Uh, uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before a, a Facebook post in Tile Money came up. Somebody was saying they're opening up their fourth business, and you know, two of them were similar, like yours, and then one of them mm-hmm. was outside, and I think the other one was also outside. And they were asking about yeah. this, and I, you know, I mean, I I respect a man's hustle and every American's right to be an entrepreneur and everything. Can you give us some advice for timing? You know, in other words. You know, at what point did you take on another business, another aspect, the cabinets or whatever one? Yeah, well, first, you've got to make sure that you're um, you're very well healed in your first business. OK, because taking on something else is going to involve more risk, more expenses and, you know, the, the, the chance of something not working. Mm-hmm. So um, we took. um well, the cabinet thing actually wound up being quite funny how we started because I was working with a, a trim carpenter on a project mm-hmm. and this cabinet guy came up there and, and he's doing this work and we're like, this guy just doesn't seem to know what he's doing, you know? Sure. He's like all over the place and kind of sketchy and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So um, the trim guy and I, Scott, um, we, were, we were friends. We worked on uh, multiple jobs at this, you know, together for the same contractor. Mm-hmm. And uh, Scott says to me, you know, we could do that. You know, why don't we do that? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, I've got a store um, 
you got carpentry skills and you have, you know, multiple carpenters working for you. Let's, let's figure this out. Mm -hmm. So we put it together and um, we started Alliance Kitchen and Bath because it was an alliance between his company and mine. Mm -hmm. And um, it was like, Oh, four. No. Oh, Oh, five or six, right in that range when we started, um, which was a perfect time to start just in time to see an economy go down the toilet. So before we had become really well established, the slowdown of 07 kind of really hit hard. We um, we opened up a second retail location because we worked out at the store that I'm in now. And we were right down the road about a mile and a half away from like a 300 home Arnold Palmer designed golf course community. And um, that developer went belly up within six or seven months of us signing a lease on a store. <laughs> and wow. We were stuck there for, you know, and made like zero money and just kind of, kind of muddled through. But luckily we both had established businesses that we could support sure. that. Sure. And, you know, stay afloat. Um, cabinets was just a natural extension of the remodeling end of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had actually worked for a custom cabinet builder when I was still in high school on Long Island. Mm-hmm. So, um, I have a little background in cabinetry as well. Mm-hmm. So, but after a few years of, uh, being in a partnership, I'm not a good partner person. Mm-hmm. Um, I devote you know, ridiculous amounts of time to work Mm. and he and I were getting the same amount of money Mm -hmm. and he was not devoting ridiculous amounts of time. Yeah. Um, When it's lopsided like that, I mean, you start to feel a little jaded and you never want to feel jaded. So what did you do? I mean, it sounds like you bought him out. I bought him out. You know, we, we talked, he was a little surprised. He was like, what do you mean you want to buy me out? I says, well, you're not really putting in the same amount of effort that I am. And, um, I just, I don't feel that it's going to change. So I had the money and so he's, he's now back into being, well, he's not even in business in that anymore. He's, uh, he's had some, he's had some financial mishaps, shall we say, sure. and has bankruptcy and stuff. And he's, you know, he's, he's trying to recover from that kind of thing. So, but, you know, it reminds me of Dave Gobis, you know, Dave Gobis, right? Mm-hmm. Seen him wrong. I interviewed him and I hate to misquote him. So this don't take this for his exact quote, but he said yeah. something similar. He said, uh, you know, cause he sold his business, you know, and he built it up much like you, hard worker, long hours, you know, the whole nine yards. And, um, I remember he said, I think it was his brother or somebody else. And they came to him and they said, well, can we be partners? And he said, well, if you want to be partners with me, you know, start showing up at 4 a.m. That's when I get up and start working on the business. And then, yeah. you know, we, we typically work Saturdays and I work some Sundays. And if you want to show up and work and I'll teach you everything I do, you know, and then after a while, we'll talk about being partners. And he said that man, a brother, you know, something to this extent, never, yeah. never showed up, you know. And then later yeah. when he sold the business, oh, people were mad at him for not giving them a slice of yeah. theirs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's how it works. You know, everybody, yeah, everybody wants it. See, I had not thought, or or I should say, I had not planned on selling the business. Mm -hmm. I have three sons Mm -hmm. and they all worked in the business from, I mean, like age 11 and 12 on, you know, weekends and summer vacation, you know, you want some money, come to work with dad. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did. And Consequently, and this is a note to anybody who's got children, 
don't bring them into your business mm-hmm. um, <laughs> unless they absolutely want to. Sure. So um, they, they wanted to at first. And my assumption was that as I got older, that they would take over the business and kind of just, you know, I'll ride off into the sunset with a, you know, with a, a weekly stipend mm-hmm. and um, they would continue on. Nah, no chance. Mm-hmm. Um, my oldest son was like, you know, F this, I'm done with it. Kyle's I don't hard. Like it anymore. <laughs> um, so he's finding out it's not that easy on the other side. He's right. got his contractor's license. He's 38. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's got his unlimited North Carolina license. Nice. Uh, actually, he's got his national contractor's license, nice. which is good. That's I don't really know how many states. But wow. he's unlimited, so he can do anything from, you know, building you a tool shed to building a high rise. Mm-hmm. So, um, and he's doing, he's doing very well with that. Mm-hmm. Um, my middle son is an extremely good tile installer. And so is Greg, my oldest. He's an extreme, my, Scott is an extremely good tile installer, but he's also an extremely good carpenter. Mm-hmm. Um, so he prefers carpentry. So he's working as a sub. There's like two or three builders that all want him like sure. all the time. Yeah. Um, and my youngest son, Kevin, he's also a, a good tile installer. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, he doesn't like, he doesn't like the work aspect of so many things. Sure. So he went and he's got his home inspector's license and, um, he's doing that. So but oh, he's yeah. also in the process of buying my oldest son garage door business. Cause, uh, Greg started a garage door company when he was like 19 yeah. And uh, Kevin's going to buy that from him and take that over completely. Yeah. So they're all in, you know, in the trade, some kind of trade, yeah. Yeah. but um, that none of them are taking this over. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's to my dismay, but eh, you know, I was thinking the family business would, would just, you know, run on, you know, maybe be a hundred years down the road, you know, but. Well, you, you, right. you should be proud. You have three sons oh, that are, are, are making their own name and, yeah. and, uh, you know, taking what you gave them, I mean, carpentry skills, you know, tile skills, you know, business entrepreneurship, um, that speaks volumes as to your, you know, approach with fatherhood. Well, we did a lot of, we did a lot of stuff together. And, um, I think that kind of, that, that helped. I'm a, um, I'm a singularly focused kind of person. I used to race motocross mm. back in the old days and all three of my boys raced and, um, they're not big on team sports at yeah. all. Sure. So, me too. Me either. Yeah. Yeah. Motocross racing is like, you know, this, what I always used to say, you know, you have friends and you may be racing against your friends on the track. Okay. But there's 40 guys on the gate and when the gate drops, it's every man for himself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Friend or otherwise you are going, you know, sure. and, and I, I kind of ruined him too by telling him that you know second place is the first loser, and they always <laughs> went to win, which is great. I mean yeah. that's and that's how they handle their business and stuff today too. So sounds like right. it. Sounds like it. Yeah. And you're a fisherman, right? Or a- I'm not a fisherman. I'm a boater. Oh, you're a boater. I, I saw the boat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. I bring worms and fish and blood and all that stuff on the boat. That's not good for the carpet. And everything. Okay. okay. <laughs> not good yeah. for resale value. Yeah, yeah, not good for me. Unless it's a fishing boat, you right. know, in which case right. it is good. But um, 
No, I'd like to go out, you know. You got three, that big days. river? You got that big river or are you on lakes mainly? We're, we're, well, I go to the river. Um, we're about a three-and-a-half-hour drive from Beaufort, South mm-hmm. Carolina, mm-hmm. and we'll put in the river over there, and then we'll take trips. We'll go down to Hilton Head, um, go up to Savannah, go up to Charleston, Tybee Island, and just, you know, run the intercoastal and stuff like that. It's not a big, big boat, you know, but it's you know, it's big enough to handle, mm-hmm. you know some stuff yeah so it's still trailerable so well when i get up there i'll give you a ring and uh i'd love to get a tour of some of those areas you know that just sounds beautiful to me yeah Um, i i got stuck in florida during the pandemic and i decided to stay put but um i always wanted to come up there i mean i've been through you know the airport but that's about it um yeah oh Asheville. yeah 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 so yeah, we, we've got a couple of really very, very beautiful lakes by us. Uh, Lake Jocassi is um, it's a um, part state park, part federal park, um, very, very limited access. They have um, Devil's Fork State State Park is where, you, where the boat ramp is, and they've got about 50 parking spaces there. Mm. And when those 50 spaces are full, that's it. And there'll be days when the lot is filled and it seems like you're the only person on the water. Mm-hmm. And there's there's very few houses around. You know, we found bald eagle nests and stuff like that and, and beautiful waterfalls. So it's a lot of fun to go there. Nice. So if you come up, we're definitely going to Joe Cassie. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'll bring my wife and daughter and, and yeah. we'll have a good time. Um, oh, heck yeah. For sure. Maybe uh, next summer, you know, would probably be be reasonable for us to make, make that trip. Um, yeah. We're on our way to Texas, but that's too far east. Southeast, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, I, I really appreciate you sharing. You know everything you've shared so far. Um, what is you know you're somebody who's been very active in the groups, you know, in Tile Money, and I really appreciate your support over your years. What's what's the number one thing you know that you see? Maybe it doesn't have to be one thing. Maybe a few things that you want to give, you know, younger guys and girls advice on. You know, I see you. You do chime in, you know, and comment and stuff. But you know, kind of what um, we all, we all kind of have a different view of things. You know. Yeah. Well, sometimes I'm a little sarcastic, but me too, um, brother. <laughs> or maybe a lot. <laughs> I say that. Um, I think the 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 biggest thing that these um, you know anyone who's starting in this trade or any trade for that matter is and this is something that you preach all the time and I see it all the time. It is know your worth. Okay. Mm-hmm. But in order to know your worth, you've got to know how to calculate your work and your worth, mm-hmm. because it, it's not just the time that you spend installing. It's the time that you spend going out, answering calls that are not really going to generate much. Um, and you don't know that until it's, you know, until you spend some time, um, know what it costs to be in business. Mm. You know, it's not like, Oh, if I'm getting, if I'm going to do, you know, 200 square feet of tile today, I'm going to make this much money, but it's not just doing the 200 square feet of tile. It's the time that it took to get that job. It's the, the cost of your fuel to go to that job. It's, I got to put tires on my truck, you know, yeah. I mean, I got a story about a guy that, um, I've tried to, I don't know how many times to help. I'm at the, I'm at the, one of the distributors and I hear him talking with one of his clients in the showroom. And he says to him, um, well, you know, I get a discount here, so I'll give you the tile at my cost mm. and that'll save you like 25%. 
All right. And then a couple days later, he sees me at another distributor and I had just put six new tires on my dually. All right. And he's like, oh, wow, look at you. It must be nice. You're going tile specialties. You can buy new tires anytime you want. Look at what I'm running. And I'm like, you know what, dude? I said, let me tell you something. So I took him aside. I said, I saw you the other day up at Crossville, and I heard what you're saying to your customer. I said, I will bet you the 25% that you saved him by letting them buy the tile on your cost would have probably paid for a set of tires for your truck. Mm. And he goes, yeah, but, you know, look at you. You're always clean, and I'm, like, dirty, and I go to the jobs, and people don't want to pay me. And I'm like, I don't know what that has to do with it. You know, you got to know what you're worth. you got to know what it costs to do stuff. And so maybe you need to get changed before you go meet someone for an estimate. Don't show up there with, you know, things yeah. all over your shirt and stuff, which is another thing completely. This cracks me up. I said, do you not know that you can keep a bucket of water and a sponge on hand and you can wipe that thin set off right. really easy instead of putting it on your clothes? Yeah. But that's, one, one of the things, I mean, let me, yeah. let me dive in on this one too. I'll monkey pile yeah. on this. One of the things people don't realize is a clean setter is an efficient setter installer. And, and the thing about it is, is you don't start out clean. You know, you learn to be clean and you learn to be clean by constantly wiping the thin set off your clothes. And then you find out as the years go on that you're getting less and less thin set on your clothes. I mean, my boss would, you couldn't find thin set on the man who trained me. If yeah. he got one or two drips on him, he immediately would, would rinse it. You know, and it was a yeah. joke. He he always said he was in his Sunday clothes and all the guys, and, but he was a boss. He was a working boss, you know, Yeah. and, and all the guys joked because he was so clean and it sounds like that guy, you know, why are you so clean? Well, I I'm clean because I strive to be clean. You know, I right. make money because I strive to make money. And all you have to do is look at me, ask me some questions and then imitate me. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's the way to do it instead of picking on you for being clean and mocking you for new, new tires. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't. So, um, it, and that, you know, that cleanliness thing goes to everything. Mm-hmm. If you can keep your hands clean, you mm-hmm. can keep your tools clean. Right. If you can keep your tools clean, you can keep your buckets clean. If your buckets are clean and they don't have thin set around the edge of it, you're not going to do $2,000 worth of damage in somebody's kitchen while you're tiling their backsplash because your thin set bucket scrapes across seven cabinet doors. Yeah. Okay. So, everything plays on everything else. And that's, you know, that's how I've always tried to be. And that's, you know, that Jesse has been with me now for 23 years. He's, he, sometimes he wants to pull his hair out because he's like, I can't get these guys to keep a clean bucket. What do I got to do to make them clean a bucket? They think oh, the buckets are like free. We get drywall, but we throw it away. That's not the point. You got to work with it, you know. Right. right. And don't get, don't use a bucket you've been carrying floor mud in to mix white grout in later. Okay. Mm-hmm. Look at all these pebbles in my grout. Yeah, no kidding. Look at the bucket you're using. You know. So it's it's all about building good habits mm-hmm. and making those habits, you know, stick. So that's that's the worst part about training green people. You mm-hmm. know, when they know nothing, you got to build, but. You can build good habits, but I, sometimes I guess it's easier to build good habits than it is to break bad habits. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's, it's funny. It's touchy, but it, it, it's touchy. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? It, it is because I've seen dirty st- installers install clean, you know, it, it, there's always exceptions to the rule, but in general, 
you know, it starts in your mind, a clean, organized mind, you know, a, a clean job site will always produce quicker work, cleaner work, you know, more efficiency, more profit, yeah. um, all that good stuff. I mean, if you're done with a tool and you're walking back to the van, take the tool back to the van, clear up your area. You know, yeah. I see so many job sites. I saw... I saw a post and I had to help. I'm a smart ass like you sometimes, Scott. Yeah. I had to not, I had to bite my tongue on my fingers on Facebook, right? Yeah. Um, I saw a post and he said, I'm OCD. <laughs> and it was of his job site and it had, it had so many tools laying around on the floor. And, you know, and I, I was thinking like, you're not OC, like you might think you're OCD, but you're not as OCD as some <laughs> as people. You are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now, but you know, everybody's as far, different. As far as advice for guys that are starting out, I would I would say the biggest thing is you know, along with knowing your worth, know what it costs you to be in business. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, don't just be good at addition; be even better at subtraction mm. because you can add up how much money you're going to make really quick. Wow, this is going to pay this and this and this, but you forget. You know, like every six months you get this insurance bill, better subtract that and better figure how much that costs you every single day. Mm -hmm. That way, you know what your hourly rate needs to be and and all that stuff. But it's all about keeping records, keep records, keep track, you know, and then everything will kind of work itself out. And don't just think because you're working, you're making money because a lot of guys are working and they're not. They're just turning over money. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And and that, and I want to emphasize, you already mi- mentioned it earlier, the, the job costing Excel spreadsheets. You know, um, last week in my Tile Money University, Drake Van Hull, who is a, a financial expert, you know, came in and, and delivered a, a speech and gave everybody the Excel spreadsheet that he made us for job costing, you know, um, mm-hmm. estimating profitability. And, and that's the number one thing. You know, people say, how do you know your numbers? How do you come up with your price? Well, you have to look at your, the past six months, 12 months of jobs and continue to do that until, you know, you're comfortable and then check yourself, you know, continue yeah. to check yourself, put checks and balances, but you got to have the tool. You got to have an Excel spreadsheet, pen and paper. Yeah. I don't care how you do it. You got to yeah. do it. You know, you got to come up with the, you know, like you say, the addition, you know, the um, addition and the subtraction of all the numbers, you know, and, and really learn whether or not that was profitable because he showed us how to, you know, um, put the burden, you know, the labor burden, uh, so many different things that most people don't think about. The overhead, yeah. you know, how much overhead per hour, per man hour, you know, and it could double, it could double the price that you think you're paying an employee. It might be double what you think it is. It is. It, and, you know, um, fringes do amount to damn near double what their hourly salary, hourly salary is. So um, it's, it, it's critical. Right. That will definitely make or break somebody. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. you know, get a good, get a good accountant somebody who knows how to keep track of all that stuff. And, um, you know, I had uh, my insurance agent, he's always asked me, he goes, how is it that, because they do our annual audits on workers' comp and everything else, and he's like, your guys are always straight. You have everything. It's like to the penny of what it's supposed to be. Well, that's, you know, my wife has accounting 
in her background. So she knows how to do all that stuff. So she handles that, but you got to have somebody that handles it. But um, he's like, I need you to teach other contractors how to do it. He says, they, they don't seem to know how to do it. Like, what do you mean? He goes, they, you know, they get their audit. And at the end of the year, they owe like, you know, 3000 plus dollars in workers comp because they didn't pay on everything. He goes, but, and you still make money, right? You're, you're obviously successful. He comes in and sees what we're, what we've got, what we're doing here. And, um, he goes, oh, how come they can't do it? I said, well, because they don't think about it, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I'm no genius, but it's, it's fairly simple, you know, yeah. it's common sense, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's not, I, I would say it's not common sense, you know, I mean, some of it might be, I suppose, but I, I think you have to learn it, you know, I mean, I think, I think the the thing that we do as craftsmen and as OCD tilers is really focus on the tile, you know? And, yeah. and then they're constantly changing thin set formulas and, and the tiles constantly changing. I mean, you've seen it constantly change, you yeah. know, and, and this and that and the other, and it, it sucks you in and you forget, mm-hmm. you forget or ignore the fact that you're in business. Yeah. You know, um, one, uh, go ahead. No, no, that's, go ahead. One, one more thing, you know, I wanted to touch on in this episode for sure, you know, and, and, and you know, f- feel free to speak about whatever you like, Cottle, um, was, you know, recessions. You know, you have lived, you know, through, if, if you got started in 85, you've lived through how many recessions? Two to three? Three. Work through three recessions. Can you give mm-hmm. us any advice? And one thing I enjoy about you is you're not a negative Nelly. You know, people bring up this recession talk, and I'm pretty sure you normally say something like, calm down, yeah. you know, we're making money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so in order, to, in order to weather the storm, so to speak, okay, um, you better be versatile, okay? Um, a, a lot of people want to focus on new construction and new construction only. Right. Oh, I'm not going to mess around with, with, uh, with remodels. Right. Well, what I found is that when people can't afford to build a new house, they're fixing their old houses. Mm-hmm. So you better be able to slide right over to remodeling mm-hmm. because we had some of our best years. And this is funny, but we have some of our best years when recessions were going on because we did a ton of remodeling. All right. Nice. And the other thing is that um, if you have overhead like we do, so we, we got to store, pay for a warehouse, pay for all the vehicle insurance and everything else. So our overhead is probably higher than a lot of other tile installers. So in order to cover that overhead, which is not going to go down just because we're making less money, you got to figure out a way to bring in more money. Mm-hmm. So what we did is – so let me tell you why, and then I tell you what. So when you have when you have customers and they they're constantly looking, well, how much is this tile? How much is that tile? How much is this going to cost to do? Blah blah blah. Um, the one thing that they never ask is how much is that thin set? How much is that grout? How much is that backing material? Right? Mm-hmm. They don't ever ask that. So what did we do when times got tough? We raised our margins like crazy on all that stuff. Mm. Right? So. We made more money on the setting material, but at the end of the day, the job cost was higher, but they don't care. Mm-hmm. They looked at how much the tile was, how much the labor was. The other stuff, that's ancillary stuff. you got to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. So we made much better margins on that, and that helped us out like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Um, the other thing is when you invest in your business, invest in such a way that you can – 
um, it, you can capitalize on, on what you're doing. So, you know, we got a, we, we rented warehouse space because the little warehouse we have at the store just isn't enough. So we were paying seven fifty a month for a warehouse. I got pallet racks, bought a forklift, um, and negotiated pallet pricing with my suppliers and then negotiated free freight because if I bought a half of an 18-wheeler load, they sent it for free. Mm. So if you're buying Thinset and you can save $2 a bag and you can buy you know 600 bags of Thinset at a time, that's $1,200 that you just saved, mm. you know? Yeah. So, um, and we sell that stuff at a, at a really good margin. Mm. So um, that two bucks goes a long way. And that's just on the thin set. You know, we, we're a Schluter outfit. So we buy Curdy board. I buy Curdy board by the pallet. Mm. I buy thin set by the pallet. I buy, um, we do custom. So I use prism grout. So I've got a rack. I've got all 40 colors of prism and I've got a minimum of four units of every color, yeah. except for steel blue and whatever that ugly green color was. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, uh, it, you got to put your money where it's going to make you the most it's it's got to be the most sense to do you know so and the warehouse gave us a place to park the vans it's got a little office in it that's where the guys come in the morning instead of coming into the store so we cut down on the amount of messy traffic that we have in the in the showroom because you know guys come in after work they've been on a job site they bring in some dirt it happens so it keeps this place cleaner so um that's that's an important and you know important aspect. So, having the flexibility to just run into remodeling, have guys that are capable of you know tearing out fiberglass showers and tubs surrounds without you know destroying half of the bathroom, um, neatness, cover everything with plastic, you know, um, ram board on all the floors. We put moving blankets down over the ram board so that we don't ruin you know wood floors. Um, and that's how we've weathered every single recession. Um, you know, we did, we did one house. Um, we did about $780,000 worth of tile work in one house in 2010 and 11. Um, of course it was a $22 million home up in Asheville, but that was in the midst of the worst recession that we've ever lived through, mm. you know, at least people my age. Yeah. Um, so, um, that was, you know, that makes for good years. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. So, so you, so that's why you're so fearless. I mean, well, you're retiring too, but you know, you, you've lived it, you know. Yeah. And so, so guys, if you're listening to this right now, you know, take Kato, Kato's words to heart, and you know, understand that um, the the important thing is to be flexible, like he's saying, and to look for the opportunities. You know, look for the opportunities. Where are people spending money? You know, I, during the heart of the recession, I, I remember I picked up a, a homeless guy. He, he said, you know, we'll work for, we'll work for, you know, um, for my food or for my money. You know, I'm willing right. to work. I'm telling, yeah. you know, and so I picked him up and he worked for me for a few days and we were laughing and he says, Luke, we, they say we're in a recession. It was like 2010 ish, you know, 2009, mm-hmm. something like that. He said, Luke, they say we're in a recession, but I stand on that corner every day. And I, all I see is one contractor after another driving new trucks, you know, right. going to work in the morning and coming <laughs> yeah. home at night. And I said, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. You know, you uh, can focus on the problem or you can just say, what are those guys doing that I'm not? 
Right. Exactly. You know, look for the opportunities. And if you don't see an opportunity, make an opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always, there's always something you can do. Always something different, you know? Yeah. So if you sit on your hands, then all you're going to have is warm hands. You're not really (laughs) going to do anything else. So, um, I've never been one to sit on my hands and, um, you know, so what are you, what are you looking forward to in retirement? I mean, more, more boat time, obviously. Well, more uh, more boat time, but as you know, I work with a country music singer. That's right. right. That's right. So that's uh, that's another thing that I'm good, and I really enjoy that's- music. Music has been, you know, has been a, a real big part of my um, my existence here in North Carolina. Sure. Um, you know, we live in a real small town, and I mean, real small town. Um, we got two traffic lights, mm-hmm. um, and I have uh, I have a friend who. Um, he, he used to play. Um, he used to play bass with Chuck Berry. Oh, nice! And um, he got me into this thing here that he started doing, and he kind of gave it up. Um, in town, we've got this little. Uh, we got a little park diagonally across the street from my store, and we did Saturdays in the park. Mm. And we got we we got some nationally known, you know, like acoustic guitar guys and singers, singer songwriters um, like um, Spencer Boren. Um, I mean, just too many. I can't even remember them all. And um, they were like traveling through. They come into Atlanta. They're going to play in Charlotte. They're going to hear there. But this Saturday, they don't have anything. So we get them to play over here for us. And we were doing Saturdays in the park every every other Saturday all summer long. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, a friend of mine, actually, um, Red Dog, and I don't know if any of you guys have watched the Moonshiners TV show. Um, mm-hmm. Red Dog is one of the one of the moonshiner guys on the TV show, okay. but he is he's the real deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, he lives up here in the side of the mountain, and he makes real moonshine. Yeah. And he's a he's a genuine he's the genuine article. But he's a musician. He played in rock bands. He's a big blues guy now, and um, he introduced me to Lucretia Ann, who I've been working with now for the last four years. Um, about six years ago. Um, and I'm not a country music fan, or I wasn't. I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, about six years ago, he introduced me to her and said, you got to have her play on Saturday. And I'm like, you know, what kind of music? And he told me country. And I'm like, ah, oh, geez, country. I just it, The reason I don't like country is because today's country music is right. less than stellar. Right. So right. he goes, no, you'll love her. She's got a great voice, and she does, like, old-school country, okay? Like, uh, you know, um, Loretta Lynn stuff yeah, and yeah. some some of her own things and Dolly Parton. And I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And, um, when she opened her mouth, we had a backup from the stage because she is incredibly powerful Mm. and she's, she's got a, a fantastic, just amazing voice. Um, after, after that show, um, we talked and her now ex-husband asked me if I'd be interested in helping them because I've already had this little reputation about doing this music in the park stuff. So um, I'm like, well, you know, honestly, she was great. Her band was horrible. And I said, no, I just, I'm thinking in my mind, it's not enough money in the world to, for me to help you. I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. And then um, like, um, I didn't, talked to them for a year and a half or so and then i had an opportunity i'm doing the um this harman field music festival which is by the way happening this saturday oh. um, in tryon north carolina anyone close by come that's a feed the foothills campaign we raised last year twenty seven thousand dollars for the food pantries mm. um but that's neither here nor there 
Um, so I called her and asked her for uh, if she wanted to do um, Harmon Field. And I used them as an opener because I didn't know how they were. They were a lot better. So the year after that, that was now four years ago, um, I used them as, uh, you know, late in the day. Not a headliner. I, you know, I have real big name headliners. But, um, you know, a, a much better spot. And she asked me then, she says, do you remember what Silas asked you a couple of years ago about helping us? You think you'd be interested in helping us now? And I thought about it, you know, and uh, went home and Debbie and I talked about it. And she goes, are you crazy? I go, what? She goes, you don't have enough irons in the fire now. You need something else to do. I said, oh, it's not about irons in the fire. And then, anyway, it's a really big fire. I got room for another iron. <laughs> so um, I, I had a meeting with her and, you know, we laid out some, you know, it came to some understanding about how things would work. And um, she's doing really well right now. We recorded the second album in November last year. Um, she got Carolina Country Music Association's uh, Female Vocalist of the Year. Um, her um, music is on Spotify. Yeah, um, yeah well, uh, well, what's her name again? Lucretia Ann. That's and it's right. spelled L-E-C-R-E-T-I-A. If you just if you Google Lucretia Ann, like a million things will come up about her. Well, so. and what I'll do, friends, you know, is put the Spotify link and maybe a YouTube link to her in the show notes. Oh, here. That'd be awesome. You know yeah, what I mean? And, and yeah, because <laughs> because I am a country music fan, um, the old school. You know, when yeah. I was growing up, it was Garth Brooks. It was um, you know some other big names. You know, in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. yeah, they were okay. You know what I mean? But. As a 13 and 14 year old kid, guess what I was blasting? You know, Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, yeah. Hank Williams, you know, you the go. number one, you know, all those guys. I don't know. It was my, it was my, you know, I grew up in North Dakota. What can I say? You know, um, and, 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 and when, when Cotto sent me, um, you know, um, the, what was her name again? Sorry. Lucretia. Lucretia's uh, link to Spotify. I listened and I can vouch for her. She's country. She's country. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, and two albums out now, and she has written every single song herself, with the exception of one song on the new album, which um, her current husband actually wrote. And um, and I can say this because she'll be the first one to tell you, she is a country music cliche, okay? Mm-hmm. She's on her fourth husband, um, <laughs> and it's, you know, she's like... Yeah, that's just what it is, you know. That's and some funny. of her songs are filled with pain and anguish and stuff. And uh, the, the first night I met her, I, I said, you know, where's a girl as young as you get all this pain and stuff, you know? And she goes, eh, it's just country music. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be so, right. I'll be right back. Yeah. Oh, I just had to let the dog out. <clears throat> There's a song. <laughs> <laughs> well. You know, it's it's just country music, ain't that the truth? You know that yeah, right. that is that is what it is. I mean, it doesn't matter if she's twenty or sixty. You know, yeah. if, if you got it, you got it. Right. And if you if you can if you can uh, write like that and express yourself like that, that's that's something that is always needed. You know, because yeah. it touches hearts. You know, it yep. it, it does. So um, we're opening for um, what the heck is the name of the band now? It's um, Smoking Joe and the Three Dollar Pistols. Okay, um, this Friday night at Doc's Tavern down in Greenville, which is going to be a pretty big show. Nice. Um, they're more mainstream. Um, uh, friends of ours, the Piedmont Boys, have just finished like a twenty-five city tour. They went 
to California along the southern, southern route, went uh, up to Oregon and then came back through the, the mid-states, you know, like through Colorado and stuff. And um, they're, they're friends of ours and they are just, you know, they're just one rung up the ladder from where we currently are now with the Lucretia Ann and Thunder Road project. And um, we're meeting the right people and, uh, you know, getting the right attention. Right. And that's going to be my re- retirement focus. <laughs> so, well, when you, when you texted me that and you said, this is my, you know, this is my investment, you know, this is my investment. And, and however you said it. And I thought, huh, you know, that is not your typical you know, investment. And one of the coolest things about, yeah. you know, tile guys and, and just business owners, right? Over the years, I, I've been um, always surprised to see random tile installers, you know, say, you know what? Um, I remember on John Bridge, somebody somebody got into uh, guided elk hunting in the Colorado mountains. I don't know if you remember this guy. And, and he said, I'm, I'm getting out of tile. I bought myself six pack of mules and, and we, we're going to do guided elk hunting. And I thought, you know what? That is so cool. I mean, to be in the mountains and, and do yeah. something like that and, and, you know, change your life. Right. Do something you love. Yeah. You know, and, it, you know, it's, it's funny because I used to really love tile. It's not that I don't like it anymore. It's right. just that the time has come. You know, you yeah. do something for so long, and it's it's you just don't want to anymore. Right. You know. Right. Um, and one one part of it is, and I jokingly said it before, business would be great except for employees and customers. It's not the employees. My my guys are great. Um, it's the customers. Today's customers have a sense of entitlement that just. I don't know where it comes from or why, mm. but it's just, it's so annoying. Mm. You know, I, I sit back here in my little office here. I got a, around the corner over here is where my wife sits and she greets the people. And um, I had a woman just a few weeks ago. She's standing over there talking to Debbie saying that, you know, and you better make sure that you, know, you sharpen your pencil because I'm getting five or six estimates on this job. And it just makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. And usually I'm pretty well controlled. But I just, I don't know, something must have annoyed me that day. Yeah. I put my stuff down. I got up and I walked out there and I said, I just heard you say you're getting five or six estimates. Uh, yes, I am. And so, you know, you better be sharp on your pencil and this and that. I says, well, i tell you something right now. I said, I'm going to save myself and you a lot of time. I'm not coming out to look at your job. If you want five or six estimates, get them from five or six other people. I said, I can guarantee you that we'll probably be the highest, if not the highest, maybe the second highest. If you're just looking for cheap, I wish you luck goodbye. And I walked back here and I sat down and her friend was out there and her friend is standing with her and she goes, well, I never. And my wife goes, well, you come here, you'll hear it again. (laughs) And out they went and I could give a shit less. Right. It's just, that's where I'm at because these people are just, they have this, this need to, I I don't know, make you feel like you're not valuable, make you feel like you're not going to provide something of of merit to them. And they just they think it's just labor. You know, what does it take? You know, you just you know, my husband did backsplash tile in our old house and it was just fine. You're sure. Well, then let him build a freaking six by five shower. Good luck. I don't know what to tell you. So what grinds my gears is the the quick assumption that 
the other person is in is in the wrong or not talented or you know trying to rip you off you know and we see it in the groups it's 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 something about yeah. the culture you know you know you're right it's something weird it's in the air we see it in the groups somebody makes a post or something and they say why do you think you're worth that or you 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 know they're saying you're ripping your clients off i mean you're assuming that this person doesn't know how to set tile and you, you might have never right. seen them before. You're assuming that they have bad ethics. You know, why why jump to the worst conclusion? Mm-hmm. Why not maybe have a conversation and see how they got there? Yeah. Yeah. So what are you doing that gets you that kind of money? Do you get that on a regular basis? So you must be doing something right. Right. You know? That's right. I mean that's yeah, it it, it it is annoying. And I know the post you're talking about because I was reading that I think yesterday morning, right? Yeah. Somebody was saying that, you know, I don't make that in a week. How can you make that in three days? Well, you know, whatever. Just. Uh, yeah. No, I see them. Yeah. I see them. I see them every week and in, in, in all the groups, you know, yeah. we're, we're doing our best to clean it up and kind of encourage folks to think differently. But, yeah. you know, it, it's just something it's something to work on. You know, there's always something well, to work on. In all honesty, what you started with this was the greatest thing that this tile industry has ever seen. I think there's, there's nobody has ever really thought about that. Remember, I told you, I wrote that little article for, um, that, that was how, how many years ago that was, um, that was my attempt, you know, but I didn't think of it the way you thought of it. Mm-hmm. You think of it in, you, you thought of it in these, these huge broad strokes of, of educating so many people, but you're more media savvy mm-hmm. than I was. I was, you know, I'm more old school. Yeah. And um, when I started, there was no social media. Social media was yelling at the guy next to you in a car, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, well, now I, I think what you've done is a, is a tremendous service and more and more people are waking up to it. And that's, you know, that's a really, really good thing. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for the, for the grand compliment. I really appreciate it. And second of all, I would have probably never done it had the NTCA called me and and they said, they were the first ones to call me and they said, we see what you're doing. Um, We want to increase our business education. You know, we want to get involved and help you. And, and had they not done that, you know, and Lady Creek came Mm -hmm. in as well at the same time as a sponsor, had that never happened, I don't know that I would still be doing this because I, I had a growing business. I was on my third year. We were on a growth track, a trackable, sustainable growth. I will still get an email from past clients. You know, I mean, it, it just in three years, you can really build, uh, you know, you really can build enough client base in three years time to carry you for 20 years. And the, you know, and that's a trap, you know, that's a trap because a lot of guys will just put effort in and then they'll just work for the same people and kind of you know, just rely on the referrals, you know, which are needed and and wanted, you know, but we also want to acquire new clients, you know, and things of that nature. Yeah. Otherwise um, it's it's painfully slow growth. Right. Well, Cottle, this has been a very pleasurable, insightful, you know, valuable uh, discussion. Thank you for that. It's 430 already. I can't believe it's been an hour. It goes, it goes by fast. You know, it's good company and, and just, um, we, I appreciate your encouragement over the years and, and now as well. Well, and, and wish you luck with retirement. And I, I hope to see you again here next summer. Well, uh, thanks. I mean, in person, hope to meet you in person or whatever. Yeah. Oh you yeah. Know. I hope so yeah. too. Yeah. I gotta say, um, I, 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 I feel a sense of pride in knowing you being your friend from day one. I saw that and I says, damn, this guy's got it. I know he's got it and he's going to do it. And I, you know, that's why I, that's why I did what I did yeah. immediately. Yeah. So 
Thank you. Um, and I'm Thank glad you. to see how successful this is becoming. And um, at you know, Taiwan University, I have not checked in on that yet, but I'm a little on the I'm a little on the side of not wanting to learn too much more at this point. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I understand. Well, maybe, maybe the new maybe the new owner of this business will be interested in Taiwan University. Right. Right. <laughs> and you know, you know, we can have you on as a special guest to to maybe share a spreadsheet or a job a analyst or something like that, if you ever wish to. You know. Yeah, um, I wouldn't um, mind doing that at all. Okay. I enjoyed okay. it. This was a very enjoyable and very quick hour. I can't believe how fast it went by. All right, brother. Well, uh, we do you want to do you want me to put your phone number or email in the you know, people listen to this or watch this on YouTube so they can call you if they're interested in your business. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, that'd okay. be fun. Okay, perfect. You've got my number. All right, we'll do. All right, Luke. It's been a pleasure. All right, Tile friends. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Cotto had a, a, a great overall presentation and shared so many insights and i'm so happy that he came on i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did and listen if you want to learn more about the tile money university head over to www.tilemoneyuniversity.com or just click the link in the show notes or the video wherever you're watching or listening to this to check it out all right tile friends that's it for today please remember to stay positive out there you heard kato we might be facing we will be facing another recession because it's just historical facts when it comes look for the opportunities you know take heart people stay busy people get busier during recessions often so stay positive and above all else stay profitable tile friends over and out we'll talk to you next week <laughs>